You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. Now, so uh, we're going to dive in and we're going to kind of take this in two parts tonight and tomorrow on the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, this is like old hat. How many have been around a long time? All right, okay, been around church, been around Jesus, been around the moving of the Holy Spirit. You can tell because when you stretch your hand up in the air, you're stretching a cobweb from your elbow to your hip, you know, and whatever. And, and it's like when we talk about the apostles, like, yeah, I knew some of those guys, you know. And, and uh, so uh, for those of you that have been around for a while, I'm going to just believe God to freshly stir you for his potentials in your life. And for those of you that are brand new, I am so excited that God would like to give the kingdom and power to those that don't know what they're doing. So in Luke chapter 9, Jesus commissions the 12 disciple students, kind of graduates them to be apostles, said, okay, hey, here's your diploma, now go and do it, right? And sends them out, and they heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, euthanize cats, they do the whole thing, and then they come back, and the Bible says they were filled with great joy at that, right? Then the next chapter, Luke 10, is kind of an intentional thing, and he takes the 70, does the same thing. These are non-apostles. We don't know their names, although the Apostolic Fathers' writings, which is not Bible, but it's pretty good history, they fight over the list, who are the 70, right? But uh, they, they come back filled with great joy. Jesus even gets happy, rejoices to the Father, you know, and his prayer there in Luke 10 is, I praise you, O Lord, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, and instead revealed them to mere infants, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. That God would allow people like you and I that are unqualified by righteousness standards in and of ourselves, we're unqualified by knowledge, by strength. It almost reads like the introduction to 1 Corinthians when Paul says, my brothers, think of where you were when you, God called you. You weren't the smartest ones. You weren't the strongest ones. You weren't, you know, you weren't the sharp, sharpest knives in the cookie drawer. And, um, you know, and God chose you, the foolish to confound the wise, the weak to confound the strong. My favorite part of that, the things that are not, in other words, all the inabilities that we have to cancel out the things that are all of the abilities. Why? So no flesh can glory in his presence. And it's my prayer tonight that God would help us to see that our life potential is not merely what we can do through our own abilities. And God uses those, but instead there's the limitless potential of the Holy Spirit for each one of us to live a life of impact and legacy. Should the Lord tarry, your life will be a living epistle and then a historical epistle of the goodness of God for your family and neighbors and generation. And with the highlighter marker of the Holy Spirit scratched over certain areas to really jump out to people at the glory and power of God. All right, so we're going to dive in here real quick. If you're interested, you know, there's books and stuff like that in the lobby. We never make a big deal about them. But um, Lapkas, I want to ask you, would you mind putting your prayer cards out there too, your your cards? On, on, and if you want to find them, you can even stick them on our table or wherever out there. But grab one of those and pray for the Lapkas. They've taken a massive step of faith um, to step out from pastoral ministry to go traveling and ministering. And if you were here in this last session, 
There's no question God's hand is on them in such a powerful way. But would you pray for them? Pray for them that God would continue to use them. I know he will, but just just get behind them in prayer, even if they never know at the side of heaven. I'm looking for some blue-haired grannies that uh, you wear out the linoleum in your kitchen with a missionary prayer card to grab a hold of some of theirs and really pray for them. I would ask you to do the same for us, but we're out of them. And so I hope they, they arrive today in Pennsylvania. And they're supposed to be here before we left anyway. You can pray for us too. Um, if you're interested, there's books and other things back there. There'll be a blessing. Um, there's a book back there um, called Helping Others Receive the Gift. Um, this is super helpful on how to pray and minister to others in the things of the Spirit. And if you have questions about baptism in the Spirit and things like that, this is an awesome, awesome resource to really help you to grow. This is used in Bible colleges around the world to train uh, people studying for the ministry on how to minister in the things of the Spirit, and it'll be a blessing. Uh, matter of fact, last year you guys had um, Al Tennyson, and you had Nate here too, right? Yeah, and so um, Al Tennyson, Al, Alan Tennyson, Dr. Tennyson, was the at that time still the chair of the ministries department at um, North Central University, and now he's the resident theologian, theological consultant for the Assemblies of God, the entire group. Of, you, know, you, if, you were here last year with him, right? Amazing, mind-blowing. But, but he uses this book, uses this book in all of his ministry classes. So it's really, really helpful, super practical. And there's other materials. There's those USB drives that have all that information on it. There's every gift of the Spirit. There's, we even tell the story on this on, on one of the video series, the Realms of Prayer video series. Would you guys put the picture of our family up real quick? So we've got um, our middle guy there, Barrett, in the middle. He's, he's single. Ladies were taking bids on him. Um, but when he was two years old, uh, he was briefly abducted on one of our mission trips in Indonesia. And I tell the story on this about how God miraculously brought, us, brought him back to us in such a, a brief amount of time, and he brought us back brought him back to us unharmed, you know, um, other than the trauma of it. But... Um, but it's, it's just amazing, the goodness of God. I hope, hope you'll pray for us. Um, if you're interested, you can grab one of everything, all the books and one of those media cards for a special price. And if you already have one of the books, then you know that extra book you get, that's the one you're supposed to give away. Or it will help kindling to start your wood stove. So, you know, take advantage of all those things. All right, so we're going to dive in. Our subject tonight is analog Holy Spirit gifts. How many of you are analog people? So I've, my wife laughs at me, but I like old things. I mean, not her, but I like old things. Um, so, you know, just like a little bit of the sickness in my life, you know, if, if it's music, I couldn't tell you a new song right now. I like old music, you know. Um, I, I like old cars. I prefer a carburetor over fuel injection, you know. It's just kind of... You know, I uh, put a computer in a car and then that means you can't fix it, you know. And, and um, so I, I like old things. I like old tech. How many remember your first computer? Okay. My first computer was a Timex Sinclair Jr. Anybody remember that? Is it, was, it was basic, you know, used basic language. And it was, anyway, um, I, I, I like old things. I like old tech. I have a reel-to-reel -reel deck in my office, reel-to-reel -reel audio deck that I've gone through, and, you know, whatever. I, um, I have, through strange circumstances, got an old beat-up pinball machine, like an old one, like not solid state, old one. And over the years, I'm it actually I'm putting new flippers in it next week when I get there. But just, I like that old stuff, you know. It's just kind of my way. And, um, you know, I, I, I like 
you know, old clams, you know, after they're past their expiration date, you know, whatever. So, but, um, but it's just kind of, kind of one of those, that analog thing. And then there's the other side of things. You know, part of new music is that, you know, with software, auto-tune and other things, um, things can be made perfect. Everything is quantized and pitch corrected. And I mean, nobody's like that. But it's kind of like perfect. One of the things I love about old music is that, you know, it's, you can hear the ground buzz and the guitar, and you can hear the, the pitch sliding around. Like, you listen to Karen Carpenter, and, you know, I mean, she hits the pitch, but it just kind of scoops into it, and then she kind of goes up over it. But everything's wrong, but it's so right listening to it, you know? And it's just kind of, kind of that way. And, and so, you know, not to, not to bash the new, because, man, with Photoshop, you can take away your wrinkles and crow's feet, you know, and then when you see the person in face to face, you don't even recognize them. <laughs> kind of that, you know, airbrushed perfection, kind of the veneer of, you know, a whitewashed tomb, but full of dead man's bones, you know. And so spiritually, there is this digital dimension and this analog dimension that we want to explore, and, and tonight we're going to kind of set up the background and get us in a posture, and I know the Holy Spirit's going to move tonight again in a beautiful way and minister to so many, but tomorrow night we're going to kind of go through and, and look at all the gifts, and we're going to have a wonderful time of healing prayer tomorrow night. And uh, if you, for whatever reason, can't be there tomorrow, you just can't wait, maybe you're anxious, I guess you can cut the line and, and receive healing tonight because Jesus is here. But we're going to take a look tonight at how God is going to use us in our analog abilities and in the digital stream of the Holy Spirit. So would you join me in standing to your feet in honor of the reading of God's word? And then you can sit back down and go back to sleep. But we want to read this really familiar portion. Um, every year, I typically change my um, Bible reading, you know, um, to a different version, English version, just to kind of see. So um, this is where I'm at this year. But would you read out loud, big and bold with me, this very familiar passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through, I think, 11, I think it is. You ready? Yes. All right, here we go. Let's do it. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I do not want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To the one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. 
He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. Is there one more? Ah, that might be on me. I think when I sent my slides, I deleted one by accident. And then the rest of this verse that I didn't have up there. So give me a second, I'll pull it up. Oh, I'm already there. There we go. Um, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Ready to pray? Father, thank you so much for your goodness. And I pray, Lord, that you will show how generous your Holy Spirit is in pouring gifts upon us. Thank you for your goodness tonight. Lord Jesus, would you just let this room kind of be a crock pot? Turn it on low and put us all inside of it and then start putting in all the spices of your giftedness and just begin to kind of simmer us. I pray right now you're just kind of pre-soaking people and healing anointing or you're just beginning to kind of soak the barnacles off of discouragement off of folks. And we just welcome you, Lord. Whatever you want to do, we're asking you tonight... Uh, I mean, we're imperfect and analog, but Lord, if, if your perfection could come and touch any one of us through your grace gifts, which I know you want to do, I pray, Lord, that the maximums would take place tonight. Could this be a hundred night, a hundred percent night, Lord Jesus, where all that you want to do in each one of us is accomplished? Oh, Jesus, I know in my analog ways, that's impossible, but with you, anything is impossible. So would you send your giftedness through each one of us to build us each up, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 You can be seated if you like. So if we can go back, um, you know, I'm, when it comes to Bible study, I'm a New American Standard 95 guy because I love biblical languages and NASB 95 is as literal from Hebrew and in Greek and the Bible into English as possible. But sometimes that literal business makes it really difficult because different languages, like, you know, if you know anybody know a little Espanol, you know, you know, there's a different position of ad abject adjectives and, and verbs and or adjectives and nouns and adverbs and verbs, um, you know, things that, you know, it's a little different. It's not the blue mountain, it's the mountain blue or whatever, you know, and there's these different nuances that each language brings to bear. And sometimes pulling it straight down from one language to another in that most literal way actually causes some confusion. It has the potential for that. So in Bible translation, you have this, you know, this literal idea, some of the literal translation, super literal, literal side of things. You'd have, um, you know, NASB, you have, you know, ESV is pretty close over there. You have um, King James is certainly that way. And then you kind of move way the other side is like paraphrase where they take another already translated version and then they kind of, you know, uh, make it easy like the old living Bible, if you're familiar with that. Um, and then you middle, you know, kind of towards that side, you have a dynamic equivalence or maybe more in the middle where you go, okay, so they're trying to convey the essence of meaning because languages are different. Dynamic equivalence, you have like the NIV and you have some of these things. This, uh, this version I'm in this year, the NLT is actually really interesting to me. I'm not trying to, I'm not, not for sale or anything like that. You can get it free on the Bible app, but um, it's kind of on this side of the dynamic equivalence. 
difference, and it's, I've really fallen in love with it, but I'm still getting used to some of the wording of it. And interestingly, the NLT is the first English version, broad translation, committee translated version, um, where they allowed Pentecostals to be involved in the translation. In fact, Great Assemblies of God scholar, Dr. Doug Ost was the chairperson for 1 Corinthians. And so it kind of is this interesting in reading that. So can we go to that first scripture slide, please? Just want to look at a couple of things. So now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question. So remember, 1 Corinthians is a response letter from Paul's old church. He pastored the church at Corinth, founded it there, a series of house churches. And we know some of the names of the house church leaders from some of his writings there. Um, and so 1 Corinthians, he went there. He starts, you know, the very pagan city. He kind of plants the church. That's where he meets up with Priscilla and Aquila. They're tent makers. They were Jews that had put their faith in Jesus. They lived in Rome, and after the persecution in Rome, uh, the Caesar expelled all of the Jews out of Rome to kind of get rid of the problem, you know, so to speak. You know. And so they went to Corinth. There they met Paul. God used that negative circumstance and for their good. And you know, God kind of knit them together as buddies. And Paul was there for a year and a half, founded the church, and he you know, found it in the power of the Spirit in this incredibly secular city. And he, God uses them in power, and then he goes away. Paul leaves, leaves him in the hands of, of the leaders that he's raised up, the, the elders that he's raised up, and then he goes, he uh, hops on the boat in Corinth, and he goes across the Aegean Sea, stops in Ephesus, he, he kind of gets the lay of the land for a little bit, leaves Priscilla and Aquila there, and says, hey, you know, see what you can do to get the foundation of another church plant. Then he goes on and does a little trip. When he comes back about mm, nine months to a year later, Priscilla and Aquila have gathered together the converts of the Egyptian evangelist Apollos. I'm summarizing Acts 18 for you, all right? So you can read it, a lot more better details. So um, there in Acts 19, Paul lays hands on those converts, and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They get their water baptism updated because they were still doing water baptism beta, you know, and, and he downloaded the, the full app to them. And then, um, and then all of a sudden, the revival happens. And Ephesus, he's in the middle. Ephesus is his longest pastorate, a little over three years, most successful church he planted, beloved church. So of the 27 New Testament books, nine of them are written to, from, or about Ephesus, right? Uh, I mean, like the book of Ephesians is a love letter, right? I mean, it's no, hey, you know, like Galatians, he's like, you know. Uh, and so, but in, in Ephesus, I mean, it's something, you know, even Jesus has really nice things to say about Ephesus. And he's like, hey, you need to go back to your roots like Paul founded them, right? Your first love stuff. So Paul is in the middle of the great Ephesian revival when he gets a letter. If you read 1 Corinthians 1, anybody know the name of the, one of the people that he's, the lady that wrote the letter? At least one of them, the message? Having questions about doctrine and practice, Right? Chloe is her name. You can read it in 1 Corinthians 1. Chloe. I received from the household of Chloe, one of the house church leaders, lady house church leaders. I received a, a letter, you know, that, hey, there's doctrinal practical problems. And so 1 Corinthians is divided by this word now or now about. And you can go through and you can literally, after reading the passage, go, oh, here's the question, you know. Now about matters of conscience, chapter 8, you know, food sacrifice to idols. Now about the Lord's Supper. Now about the coming of the Lord, chapter 15. Now about spiritual gifts, which this 12, 13, and 14 chapters for us is this big, huge chunk, the largest thing he's addressing. 
And so he's going through just kind of checking the boxes. Now, 2 Corinthians, uh, what we call 2 Corinthians, actually 3 Corinthians, but because uh, the second letter um, from the after the hard visit, if you read chapter 1 and 2 of 2 Corinthians, you realize there was another letter in there that didn't make it into the Bible because it wasn't eternal truth for us. But it was, I mean, there was some... There was some conflict going on here. These people were cowboys and not like the Dallas kind. These people were winners. And um, he, he, uh, he really, I mean, these, these people were super independent and they have this secular worldview that they're trying to merge together with spiritual life. And it ends up pretty messy. This, the analog tape hiss is really loud on their spiritual recordings, right? So, now this big section. So chapter, we call it chapter 12, 13, and 14 because, you know, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Stephen Langdon's assistant, was tasked with putting chapter and verse numbers in the New Testament. And I got to tell you, sometimes, I, I mean, it, they're just GPS coordinates when we're to find things, but we tend to kind of read them in that way. And so, um, you know, it kind of like you go to bed reading Romans 7 and don't read Romans 8. I mean, it's a cliffhanger. You don't want you don't get a good night's sleep on that one. And so this bigger chapters, chapter 12, 13, and 14 is the chunk. Chapter 12, Paul takes an obvious tone of enabling new people, most likely that have joined the church, been added to Christ since he left. And you hear this elementary tone. We'll look at it in just a moment. I mean, it's like knee high, you know. And then what we call the love chapter, Right? probably read at your weddings, has nothing to do with romantic love. Some of the principles are transcendent, but it's actually an entirely different love. It's the agape, selfless love of Christ. And he says the last verse of what we know is as chapter 12, and now I will show you the most excellent way, Hadas Avenue, roadway in the Greek, the roadway these gifts are supposed to flow on, right? They're supposed to flow out of selfless love, like you're not in it for you, you're in it for the other person. Right? Kind of an idea. And he gives all this stuff. He goes, hey, you can speak in tongues until your lips fall off, my transliteration. But if, if you're a jerk, it cancels out. Right? Speaking the tongues of men and angels, but if I have not love, I'm only a sounding brass or a resounding gong. Useless noise. Probably the most clear way you can translate that from the Koine Greek into English would be perhaps country music. Right? And so he's taking them on this journey, right? Going... So you can have giftedness, but if your life is not affected by the Holy Spirit, remember holy is his first name, then it actually cancels out and has no usefulness. So he's kind of speaking to the new people, but he's also speaking to the been there, done that's. Because he's transitioning. Chapter 14 is addressed specifically to the been there, done that's. He's going, hey, listen, okay, so great, you can prophesy, but... You know, if you're doing it for yourself or you're not doing it in a proper way or you're doing it in a disruptive way or an uncaring way that's not sensitive to people that have no idea what's going on at all, stop it, right? Or get better at it is the option that's really best, you know? And take turns and be kind and, you know, play well with each other and share, you know? It's, it's like this is here to edify and build us all up. So we're not going to get into that second part, but it's good to sit down and kind of read those three chapters in one sitting, and you'll get an idea for Paul's full heart rather than kind of cherry-picking these verses like so many people do. So he starts out. He's now addressing the new people. Now, dear brothers and sisters, so remember um, in, in the New Testament, this time they with the uh, um, culture that was there, it's mankind, brothers, 
But he's not just addressing the dudes here. He's addressing everyone in the church, you know, right? Okay, so um, as a matter of fact, we learned Priscilla can teach and prophesy and all those things. So um, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question, so he's received this question about the special abilities or gifts of the Spirit. Um, the word that is given there in the Greek is pneumaticon, and so that's not just um, charism gift. It's actually spiritual issues, spiritual people spiritual things the idea is the stuff when you're but a mere padawan that feels like is a secret reserve for the jedi masters right lofty mysterious spiritual things is kind of the connotation that's here so it's not just gifts but it's about all the mysterious supernatural ways of god is kind of the generalized idea pneumaticon holds about those things you will never understand because you're just too dumb that's in the bible codes no, you will, you will never understand because you're not spiritual enough. You will never understand because, you know, you have that one problem in life. No, about these things, I don't want you to misunderstand these things. I want you to understand. And it is a negative word. It's, you know, some versions say unaware. I don't want you to be unaware or unknown. It's a negative connotation in a good way. He's going, hey, I don't want you to be in the deficit column of understanding on this. I want you to be in the black on this one, not in the red on this one. And so that's probably the best news I can give you tonight. God wants you to understand his supernatural ways more than you do right now. It's his will for you and I that these things, I mean, they'll always be slightly mysterious because it's God and it's supernatural, but God has destined and designed each one of us to grow in our understanding so that the things of the Spirit become more second nature. Because, yeah, you've been born of flesh, but you've also been born of spirit. So this is part of the nature of God in us now is new creation. We not only have physical, you know, uh, characteristics and DNA, but we have spiritual DNA. And our spiritual DNA is that God is a supernatural God. Our Father is supernatural. And so there is this aspect that he wants us to discover and learn. This is not license to become some weirdo, you know, or the, you know, the person that can't do anything until they have spiritual revelation. You're sitting there at your breakfast table and you got the cereal doors open. The milk is poured in your bowl and you go, oh God, I just want your will. Lord, do you desire cookie crisp for me this morning? Or, Lord, only thou knowest my innermost parts. If thou knowest that I need all bran, may it just levitate and come and pour. I'm just going to sit here until you come and, you know, supernaturally do this, whatever. You know, people like that, I mean, you know, they're kind of spooky and weird, and, and they typically don't do much for God because they're paralyzed in trying to chase a spiritual ambulance, right? But the other side is someone that doesn't expect anything. And they tend to not do much for God. But the people in the middle of that spectrum, the people that say, well, I don't have it all together yet, but I really want to see God's glory in my life, they end up actually doing a lot for God. They make some mistakes too, but if you do it on Love Avenue, the most excellent way, hadas agape, you know, the roadway of selfless love, then all of a sudden you find that, yeah, you know, I, you make some mistakes, but there's a big safety net when you really love people underneath you. And so Paul is trying to help them. I want you to understand these things. And then he goes back, hey, you used to be pagans, and you were led astray by 
idols, whatever the priest or priestess told you. And notice what kind of idols were they? Speechless. What is the essence of all Holy Spirit giftings? It communicates the reality of God to people. And sometimes literally verbally. So it's not some stump of wood. I love the Isaiah passage. Hey, you want a God? Go carve a stump, you know, whatever. And let it rule your life. People do that too. Um, today, that stump, they take and they run it through a mill and then they turn it into paper and then they print presidents on it. And that's the idols of Western world worships. Same idol, right? Um, and so it changes our priorities, you know. And so then go to the next one, please. Uh, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. So yeah, I've heard people go, this is how you can tell if someone is demon-possessed. You know, can you say Jesus is Lord? Ah, you know, Legion or whatever, you know, kind of a thing. Or, you know, Doug Prescott, you know, whatever. You do this kind of thing. And so, um, but instead, this is actually... Um, you know, it harkens back to actually a practice in idol temples where if you finally you couldn't get what you wanted from that, you know, deity, that the priest or priestess would say, you're not even on their radar. You need to come into their temple and blaspheme them in their temple. Then you'll get on the radar. Then you got to kind of pay through the nose, second mortgage things. And then, you know, because they're looking for it for themselves, then you can get on the radar, you know, because you're just a gnat. You're not even a, you're not even a molecule in their universe, you know. And so, Paul, this is a statement, you can't manipulate God. And then secondly, no one would say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit because Corinth was a place of intense persecution. And if you were a follower of Jesus, you were considered to be a sect or a cult, and you'd probably lose your job and, you know, your apartment lease and et cetera like that. And then he goes on to say different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it's the same spirit is the source of them all. Then the next one, please. Different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And then he says, hey, because he's saying it's all the same source. Remember, there was a different God for everything in that context. There's even the Greco-Roman God of Asclepius, the God of healing. You know, you have Bacchus, the God of wine. You have you know, Starbucks, the God of coffee, whatever. You got all these different deities. Some of them were more general practitioners, you know, Mars, Apollo. They had, you know, kind of, you had Aphrodite, the fertility cult, which was headquartered temple there in, in Corinth. So all these different, you had a different God for everything. So see what he does. Go back one slide real quick. He's trying to unite everything. We, we have one God we worship. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, the same spirit. So the same Jesus, same Lord, same Spirit. It's a beautiful Trinitarian thing that he does. But the same Spirit is the source, works all these things. Then go to the next one, please. Uh, actually, skip that. Go to the next one. So um, for to one person, the, the who gives the ability. The Spirit to another, by the same Spirit, gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith. And to someone else, that one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Then the next one, please. Um, miracles, ability to prophesy, discerning. Um, still another person is given the ability of, of It's the same spirit that's given all these things. The verse that's not on there, verse 11, that I edited out, sorry, it's on me, is actually, I, I, I believe Pastor deleted that slide, is, um, <laughs> no, uh, is, but one and the, one and all of these gifts are given by the same spirit as he wills. 
So Paul is actually speaking into their polytheistic culture. You go, we're, you know, come on, we're Americans. We're, you know, Western world people. We don't go for that. You know, we have a different God. But Paul is basically telling them idolatry is a way of working the system to get what you want. And that's in the heart of every human being. What's the easiest way I can get what I want? You know, people will leave churches because they don't get what they want in an expedited manner. Well, I'm not going to that church. I had to stand in line at the coffee bar. What is this? Is this, you know? Well, they didn't, uh, I didn't get that. Uh, I, I wanted to be in that life group and I got, you know, voted off the island or whatever it is. And all these kind of self-oriented things, like how can I get what I want? The message of the gospel runs against that grain. And it's idolatry when we place our preferences above the will of God and serving others. So uh, then go to the next one real quick here. Let's just talk about a couple of things. We're going to uh, go to uh, prayer in just a moment. So here's a map. This is Alaska. Um, now, this is, this is Greece about the time of the writing of this scripture. So remember, you're talking about... Um, Greece is, if you know your map, it's if you have Europe, right? And then you have the Mediterranean Sea and Africa. Greece is over here. It's kind of in the southwest uh, or southeast corner kind of a thing. In fact, over here on the far um, right, that's Asia. That's Ephesus. That's modern-day Turkey, up where the little land bridge is, sort of. That's Istanbul, Constantinople. If you know the old hymn, it's nobody's business but the Turks. But it's up there, right? So you have the Aegean Sea over here is going to be Italy, you know. And so uh, down here you have Crete. You know, I, I love it. It actually made it in the Bible. Paul's like, those Cretans are terrible people. I think it's always funny. Um, you know, the, it's been said about the Cretans, they're knuckleheads. Well, it's true, you know. Anyway, so it's kind of funny. But um, you, have, you have Greece. So Greece is kind of shaped like a figure eight, basically. I mean, it's if you give me some liberty. And in the middle, you'll notice right above, you can see where Corinth is. Can you see that? Right above that is a big bay that comes in from the west and cuts all the way into the east. And then there's this little neck of land um, that bridges the top, upper body of, of Corinth to the Peloponnesian Peninsula um, at the bottom. And did you know in the, in the Koine Greek language and in classical Greek too, the word for neck is isthmus? which is really hard to say if you don't have front teeth, you know? And so, but that little neck of land, Corinth is seated, seated right in the middle at the narrowest part, the base of that neck of land, where it's only a right around five miles wide. And it's situated there. It's a, it's a place that, you know, if, if you were, the bottom is uh, uh, around the sea, is real treacherous to go by, you know, by sea. Be, remember a couple of years ago, the cruise ship that ran aground there? I mean, I know there's apparently some other stuff going on. That's where it happened. There's all kinds of volcanic rock that lies just feet under the water, very, very dangerous, and then huge storms, all kinds of a mess going on there. And in the ancient world, you're in like in a wooden rowboat, you know, basically, I mean, a larger boat, but, but a wooden ship that doesn't have navigation and doesn't have engines and stuff like that. Treacherous. There's some stuff written before the writing, about 100 years before the writing of 1 Corinthians. It talks about saying about half the ships that go around during the wintertime don't make it to the other side. 
So what they did was, at the time of Paul, you would go into the, uh, the Bay of Corinth there, right above where you see the word Corinth. You'd come in from the west, and you'd come all the way to where Corinth is, where the neck is the, the littlest bit. There's kind of a canal there now. They tried to do that, but it kept on filling in back in the time of Paul. And so they instead had big paving stones and huge, like, ancient wooden and block and tackle cranes, and they would pick up boats from the west side, and they would put them on a land barge with big rollers, and it would take about four or five days to roll it across, and then they'd dump it in the other side, because you can see at the other side, you're going to Athens, the Aegean Sea, a major population center of Asia Minor, Macedonia, the whole business there. And so a huge deal. And so what would you do if, I mean, you know, don't no disrespect to those in the Navy, but, you know, the sailors kind of have a notorious reputation, and certainly not all sailors are like that. But the idea of you're there for... You don't have to be sober for five days. And then also there is the temple of Aphrodite. Looking for little ears. Okay, we got some. All right, so um, let's just say um, if you worshiped at the temple of Aphrodite, you would probably need to do some telehealth to get penicillin afterwards. All right? Okay. Ancient texts talk about, and in fact, uh, go to the next slide real quick. You're downtown, this is modern, downtown Corinth. You're in the Temple of Mars, which is one of those multifaceted gods. He was all kind of god of war, a bunch of different stuff. And then, but you're looking up to the south now. You see that little mountaintop there? That's the Acra Corinth, the little mountaintop. If you were an ancient civilization and you saw a little mountain like that, what would you first build up there? Come on, military people, don't let me down. A fort. So on the left up there, you can maybe see the jagged on the highest point. That's kind of the, the ruins, you know, of the ancient Greece. You know, Alexander the Great, I think, had a hand in actually ordering that. If you read history later on when stuff was Romanized. And then as you come this way um, to the right, right before it slopes off, you may notice little jagged bumps. That's the ruins of the Temple of Aphrodite because you want to build high because that's where you're close to God. You know, and so go to the next one. This is a, a reconstruction of the Temple of Aphrodite. Now you're at the Temple of Aphrodite. You're looking. Athens would be one of those land masses over there. You know, in the distant, distant areas. But um, this is based on the most uh, thorough and current archaeological basis. Even the colors painted on the temple columns. A lot of the Greek and Roman temples, we just assumed they were like you know marble columns. But many of them were all indeed marble. But they were painted as well with bright colors and murals and things like that. And so this was what the temple of Aphrodite looked like to the best of our understanding. And that was where you went to worship Aphrodite. This was her primary temple. Her secondary one and, and were, it was in Athens and then there were others as well. Um, also at the temple of Aphrodite in ancient history, it talks about this, um, was a, a very famous restaurant. So when you went there, you could, uh, you know, you'd have to pay kind of a cover charge to get in, often a small animal. And then when you went pick the uh, priestess you wanted to worship with, then it would be a larger fee, you know, larger animal. And then on the way out, when you had the munchies, they would have slaughtered your cow and they were selling you your T-bone back to you for an exorbitant price. No wonder Paul talked to this group of people about meat sacrificed to idols and matters of conscience, you know. And this all applies to us still today. So you get kind of an idea what's going on. So uh, go back one side real quick. Actually, go back two to the map, if you would. Your tech team is stellar. All right. So notice then this bridge of land below Corinth in the region of Kalamata and below that is the ancient city of Sparta, 
which was the second largest city in ancient Greece, Athens and Sparta. So if you were going by land, you had to go through Corinth. You were going by sea, you had to go through Corinth. And this was a place of incredible challenges. In fact, would you hit me with that uh, Corinthian cultural challenges slide? It's a couple ahead. Just uh, give me two or three head. There you go. So um, you got these major deals. There's more, but these are the big four. So number one, a la carte religion. You know, a la carte, I'll take this, and, you know, I like fries, and, uh, you know. Uh, so you kind of picked your own way of worshiping. And we don't do that today. Well, I, I'm a Christian, and I also do a little indigenous religion, and I worship you know, crystals and I, you know, whatever. And people kind of bring their own stuff together. With, I mean, that, think about that. That's the brain that told you polyester bell bottoms was a good choice in the 70s. <laughs> right? It's telling you I can pick my own supernatural. It's like a salad bar. I make my own salad. So we got that going on. Then we got aberrant sexuality. We don't have that today. But that's based on human brokenness and selfishness, right? And so then we have substance abuse. Ancient Proverbs talk about Corinth. There's one, you can check Craig Keener's extraordinary knowledge of, of first century literature for this, but heard him in a lecture one time quote um, that you cannot get as drunk as a Corinthian was like the bumper sticker on their buggies. That was a famous saying, saying, hey, if you're born Corinthian, you come with a pre-pickled liver, you know? So you got this massive substance abuse and then a huge negative view of Christianity. Does that kind of feel like where we're at today? A lot of times we look back, you know, back in the olden days, back when, you know, it was like Laura Ingalls Wilder. It was easy, and everybody would love Jesus and whatever. But this is rough. This is the culture. And in this culture, Paul tells these brand-new Christians, God wants you to understand his supernatural ways. And I want the supernatural demonstration of the Spirit to be shown, shed abroad in God's church so that more people come to know Jesus and the body gets built up. A lot of people, they go, hey, we need to, you know, I don't know that Holy Spirit stuff. We need to put a lid on it because it might scare away the new people which was one of the problems in the Corinthian church. And to that church, he didn't say cut off the spiritual gifts. He said, get better at it. Get better at it, you know? And so it's some pretty good stuff. Okay, so let's look at the next one real fast. So um, when we think about being used in these supernatural giftings of the Holy Spirit, there are three parties involved in this. First of all, we have the source, who is the Holy Spirit. And uh, then we have, on the other side, we have, you know, the need, the benefactors, and that's the person benefiting. And a lot of times, again, you know, because we bring our own selfish, idolatrous way into this, we have this way of kind of overblowing our own sense of importance. So God, the source. How many of you have ever experienced electricity before? Not just the benefit, but you've you felt, you know... Um, the, the shocking uh, uh, from the outlet. So we've got, I'm sure we've got them here. I don't see them because they're hidden so well, but we've got outlets somewhere. There's boxes here. Um, man, you're letting me down. I don't see any outlets. They're around. Oh, there's one over there. Okay, we got it. So, um, so even though there's nothing plugged into that bottom outlet, unless a breaker is shut off or a, a charred mouse skeleton has nibbled the black wire, um, there's 110 volts, 120 volts of alternating current on that hot wire. 
and probably 15 or 20 amps of, of engine push behind it, you know, amperage. So it's there, but nothing's plugged into it. So it's kind of in the potential. It's available, but no one's plugged into it. You've got the source. Who did the Bible say in the scriptures we read is the source of all this? God, the Holy Spirit, right? So you've got this power, and then you've got the need on the other side um, for the outcome. Someone needs to be healed. Someone needs to be encouraged. Someone needs to know God loves them. Someone, you know, God needs to protect you, give you wisdom, help you in your, you know, um, you know, all these different ways. Help a parent understand something that they couldn't know to help their child to, you know, get out of what they're in or to love Jesus more or help a church leadership navigate something, you know. Wow, huge potential. But notice the gap in the middle. So if I had on this table, I had a lamp. A lamp cord is what, a yard long or a meter if you're Canadian and a cow Cowboys fan? Um, so if you had, um, you had that lamp there and the nearest outlet's over there. I got the source there and the need is here. What do I need? I need, yeah, generator, yeah, yeah. I, I need something to connect the source to the need. So how many of you have ever seen an extension cord before? <laughs> right? So you plug it in the source, and then you take the other end, and you plug it in the need. What does an extension cord do? It brings the power to bear in the location it is needed. Right? So look at the next slide, if you would. So you've got the connector, and that's the, so to speak, gifted person. But even that term gifted person is a little bit yucky because honestly, I, you know, in all of my life without any human selfish, you know, I want people to appreciate me kind of stuff. I've honestly never been in a circumstance where God ever prompted me to tell others how gifted I am. <laughs> but what would that serve, you know? Yeah, you know, I'm uh, quite an extension cord. I know how to plug in on both ends and check me out. I'm day glow orange, you know. In fact, don't you kind of try to hide extension cords? This is only there because it's kind of a, you know, safety thing. Hey, I'm going to plug my drill into it or whatever, find it in the yard. You buy an extension cord. You don't go down to Hobby Lobby or whatever it is and get your bedazzle kit. You know, that'd look great with some sequins and glitter. Let me... You get a hot glue gun on that sucker, you know? We can really make that jump out. You're standing there uh, looking at the Christmas lights. You know, every town has that one house where the person, like, took a mortgage out and got, like, the digital, you know, blind your eyes, you know, music and radio transmit. You have one of those here in town or a couple of those people? It's like, good night, you need to get a life. And no offense if that's you. If that's you, that's awesome. But I'm just like, whew. Um, you know, yeah, and you go, wow. I mean, it's a May light show. Their shingles are lighting up. Everything's a pixel, and it's, you know, spelling out things and whatever. You go, wow. You look at that light show, and you go, put your arm around your wife. You go, Hazel, look at what that extension cord is doing. <laughs> I mean, you kind of tuck them away because they're just, utilitarian they're not the source they're not the end user i hear people all the time say after they pray for someone and the person is healed i have the gift of healing no you don't the person that you prayed for that left healed they have that gift of healing 
you have an extension cord that currently nothing is plugged into. But you want people to say, hey, check me out, which is the same problem the Corinthian church had. They're trying to find some place for themselves, trying to steal some of God's press, plagiarize it, and put their own name on it. But really, the highest compliment of all is when God does something through your life and the person celebrates and knows and nobody else knows it was you. Remember the healing of the lame beggar on Peter and John, Acts 3. What did he say right away? They're putting them up on his shoulders, Peter and John, for he's a jolly good fellow. And Peter said, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't look at us as if by our power or piety we made this man well. It is the name of Jesus and the faith that comes through him that has made this man well in the presence of all of you. We're just the extension cords. But you think about this, like a cell phone tower. You got coverage everywhere. Does Alaska have some places with spotty cell phone coverage? And so... You know, you've got all these different towers because, and they have overlapping coverage. You look around this room and this region, this area where each one of you live and work and go to school and all, you know, and frequent, you bring to bear the radius potential of God's power. And this whole city is covered multiple times over with the potentials of God's supernatural because of the people just in this room, not including all the multiple times this room and the other room changes on a Sunday morning. You get like 18,000 services here on a Sunday morning between the two campuses. I mean, the, this church's influence is amazing, but most of Fairbanks will never come into your rooms. But you bring the plug-in end of the cord wherever you go with supernatural capability and potential. The problem is we all know how bad our own breath stinks in the morning. We all know that most embarrassing moment. First multi-day meeting I ever preached was in Mount Morris, Pennsylvania in 1993, and I was scared to death. I went there, oh my goodness, I was so scared. And we, we were brand new married, and we had hardly any money at all, and and I had two suits, and if I swapped the, because I was back in the day, I had to wear a suit, and if I swapped the pants and the shirts, I had three, but it was a seven-day revival. So we, on a credit card, on a Discover card, bought a third suit so I could swap it out, and then I figured I could rewear one of them on one of the off days. I mean, that's like, you know, like just thinking... The Sunday morning is back in the day when the pastors all sat in these throne chairs across the, you know, and they had the choir there. They all gussied up in their robe with the satin V, and they were singing, you know. So it was, it was great. It was the way we used to do things. And, and so it's all formal. I'm scared to death, and I'm thinking to myself, it's really hot in this room, and I'm really nervous, and I don't have money to dry clean this suit. So by the time worship was over, the pastor graciously announced me, sat behind me, the whole choir sitting there, places packed out, auditorium seat about eight, 900 people, something like that. And I'm scared to death and I get up and I'm hem-hawing around and all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, because the inner monologue is going, if I pit out this suit, I can't wear it again this week because I don't have money to dry clean it, you know? And so I turned to the pastor because it would kind of been rude to just take it off. So I said to him in front of everybody, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I'm getting warm. Would, would you mind if I took my jacket off? Because I knew he'd say yes, and it would be no big deal in the formality, though. So he took my jacket and hung it there. And then when I went to pray and had everyone stand to read the text, 
my notes fell off and a plexiglass pulpit. And when I reached over to bend down, I had had that suit taken in, you know, because it was big. And when I reached down, no joke, it went, <laughs> opened up, man, from ankle to ankle. Entire inseam. I went over like this. Let's just say politely, it was a full moon in the choir loft. I mean, and... You know, I, everybody's laughing. It's a glass pulpit. Everyone can see the fabric flopping around, you know, and my polka dot boxers, you know, and oh, man. You know, I, pastor gave me my jacket. I kind of tied it around my waist and preached, and oh, man. You've done your own stunts, too. We're all afraid of just how earthen this extension cord looks. Oh, what if I... I mean, I would go talk to that person, but I don't, I don't know what to say. I would go pray for them, but they're probably not going to get healed. Maybe they'll get worse. Or I'll embarrass myself, all this self-oriented stuff. And fear of the cord keeps people from stepping out. But the cord is the key because you plug into the source. You never know what power is going to flow through there. And you never know what God wants you to do. People go, well, that's not my gift. Well, how do you know? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit determines that one. Well, that's not the way God has used me. Well, you're not dead yet. You're not done with life experience and growth. How many of you are not dead yet? Almost three quarters of you. The cord wants to say, hey, check me out. The pride side when something good happens. But when we feel uncomfortable, which is all the time, because the supernatural is uncomfortable, we go, but Lord, I'm just a cord. And I have my ground plug taken off on that side because I had to plug Christmas lights into it one time. And then there's some duct tape around here when I was cutting the saw too close to the cord. And then I, you know, and I made that mistake in 1978 and I forgot to do my devotions today. We come up with every excuse the monologue actually reads like Exodus 3 with Moses giving God all the reasons why God couldn't be supernatural through him. My brokenness trumps your ability, God. But look what the Apostle Paul says. Go to the next one. This will be where we end tonight. Um, I should be one back there. Oh, yeah, there we go. So this analog digital business. Analog, it's imperfect, but it's real. You ever notice that God likes to use people that don't have it all together? Now, it's not a pass. It's not saying, oh, you just keep on living like the devil and God will give you a pass. It's not like that at all. But the Christian walk is not about immediate perfection. It's about long-term growth and development. And a lot of people, they will say, well, I made that great mistake and God can't use me. But you have to read the Bible. The murderer is the one that said, let my people go before Yul Brenner." And so, I mean, the only person that God ever used that didn't have problems was Jesus. And he had problems because of the, you know, people around him. But everybody else, even the Apostle Paul, had to publicly confront Peter for heresy 18 years after the day of Pentecost to the Galatians. Like big heresy, not like tampering with eschatology or but like actual the doctrine of salvation repentance faith and surgery right i mean literally 
And so, analog. The source is digital, but not a veneered, perfected. It's just God's signal is perfect. But he sends his perfect signal through analog cables to an analog light bulb. And he doesn't seem to have a problem with that, but we do. We go, well, if, I mean, I, I'm not ready. I'm just, you know, and, that, and I don't think it's going to happen. And what if and none of that belongs to us? Ours is just to plug into God and be ready. Plug into people around us and see what God sends through our cord. Here's my favorite verse. We'll go to this last one, please. Nick, can the musicians come up? Actually, um, maybe not tonight. Maybe just, is there anyone in this room that you can't play an instrument? You've always wanted to try. Would you come up and just grab a hold of any one of... Any one of these? Yeah. Yeah. Didgeridoo and a kazoo. All right. So, um, so look at this verse. And so this is NLT. So this is really, my mouth doesn't want to say it because it's not my memorization. But this is 2 Corinthians, same church. And remember, what we know, 2 Corinthians actually is third letter after the hard visit. But, but um, this, this same church, he's talking about the analog digital. He says, now, we have this light shining in our hearts, which is from God, but we ourselves are fragile clay jars, analog, containing this great, digital, perfect God treasure. That's just the way it is. I don't like it that way. Tough. That's the rules, you know? And what does it do? This makes it clear that the great power is from the source, not the extension cord. The digital power that flows through isn't coming from the analog cord. God's not looking for you to do anything else before he wants to use you except be available. But in your Christianity, he wants you always to grow and learn. And the good news, chapter 13, if your main concern is about loving people while all this is going on, and you're not looking to find yourself in it but to build others up, the safety mat is huge underneath you. You can say all the wrong, good night, I've said all so many wrong things in my life. There have been many times at like a, a time of prayer, whether at a noisy truck stop uh, over the fuel pumps or because uh, we typically in lower 48 travel RV and, or, or whether it's, you know, at a church service with loud music playing and someone says, hey, would you pray for me about and they name their disease, you know, bubonic plague or whatever it is. And I go, sure, you know, and, and, but I misunderstand them. One of the most common ones is when people say arthritis or like uh, Wilford Brumley says, diabetes, you know, and in a loud room, it's hard to understand, you know. And so I'll go ahead and pray for them with all the passion I can muster and caring, but I'll pray for the wrong disease they don't have. This happens so many times. It's, it's actually humorous to me. But God heals them anyway of the right thing. But should that shock any of us? Because we're just analog, utilitarian extension cords treasure on earth and vessels to show the surpassing greatness of the power is not from the vessel made of clay, the dirt bucket, but instead the treasure. How many want God to use you in new ways in 2024? Would you stand up with me? Can we just offer ourselves to him? I'm going to tell you, your potential is not just to live another year and put more away in social security for retirement and pad your 401k and pay a little more off your mortgage and, you know, I mean, that's all fine. That's all life and real. But your main purpose in life 
is to know God and glorify Him. You can do it in the service that you do, the way you love the Lord, the way you love others. But then He wants to assist you with supernatural giftings in your life. Every person that loves Jesus has the limitless potential of the giftedness of the Holy Spirit available to you, even if you've got whatever fill-in-the-blank excuse, you know? God wants to use you. He wants to use you. So can we just kind of crawl on His altar for a minute? Come on, would you join me? Come on, right where you're standing, I want to ask that no one in this room would pray silently. It's okay if it's really quiet whispers. Uh, but would, would you just engage your physical voice in seeking of the Lord? Because a lot of times when people are super down low spiritually, it's because they're way aware of the ineffectiveness of the analog nature of their cord and life. Come on, let's just lift our voices to God right where we stand. Lord Jesus, it's just me again. I'm lifting up hands to you that have scars and hangnails on them. And I'm asking you to use me, but Lord, you... You understand this because you brought your digital perfection and put it in an analog body and you let analog people scar your hands. You understand and you still come and bless and help us and all the way you're building us and strengthening us and you're building each other up and you're gifting and healing and restoring and freeing and saving through a bunch of duct-taped extension cords, frayed ends, Lord. I just want you to know, Jesus, I'm going to give you 2024. Would you use me like you've never used me before? And would you fill me with just enough spiritual bravery to be willing to try? In fact, on many upraised hands right now, you're feeling power coming upon them. You feel that? Many of you are sensing that right now. I know that in my spirit. It may not be any specific gift, you know, and it's not poor circulation. God's giving you a very personal sign that he's going to be with you. And if you're not sensing it, it doesn't mean he's not, but some of you are sensing that. Others are just very aware of God. You feel God kind of pushing you to the edge saying come on do something for me these are not skills these are unique giftedness that comes from the Holy Spirit how many of you would say whatever God wants to do in my life I would like to be willing let that signal flow through my extension cord yeah? Spirit of the Lord Spirit of Jesus, Spirit of Jesus. Come on, get your spiritual kites in the air. Let his wind pick you up right now. Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord. I hear the Holy Spirit say, Kathy, Kathy, 
the Lord is working on your behalf. You're not forgotten. You're not overlooked. And what is so important on your heart is important to God's heart. Don't be discouraged. Sometimes it takes a little while for things to cook, but he's working on your behalf. You're not forgotten. There, there are, are some in this room, I just feel a, a, a sudden awareness of the love of God, which is always where revelation gifts flow from. I feel a sudden overwhelming love from God right now for people that are struggling with anxiety issues, panic attacks, anxiety. You may not be having it right now, but that's something that kind of marks your life. And, and I'm going to ask you to do something. I know it's just us again. All the mean, judgmental people stayed home. But if you battle or you want to stand in for a loved one or friend that battles anxiety, panic attacks, that kind of stuff, would you just get out from where you're at and just come to one of these aisles, the central aisles, the right one or the left one, just step in the aisle real quick. Everyone's going to go, I'm not going to be that one. Hey, everybody already knows something's wrong with you, right? Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor, put your finger in the face, do it real quick. Go, there is something, say it to him, there is something wrong with you, all right? Is that truth? Okay. So this is, this is where the anointing is right now. So come on, quickly. Don't be afraid. Move right to an aisle. Okay. Move right to an aisle. Okay. That's not showing brokenness. That's showing you know where your help comes from. All right. Okay. Now I need some extension cords all around these folks. I need three or four just to reach out, put a hand on a shoulder and start praying for them. You're not trying to be magnificent and oratorical. You're just trying to be loving. Your only job is to express the love of God. Pray until you sense the Holy Spirit dismiss you. The one that prompted you will be the one that dismisses you. You don't stop when you run out of things to say. You stop praying when he dismisses you. Thank you, Lord. Um, I, I sense the Holy Spirit's power. I feel it in joints right now. Where are my friends you're dealing with, with joint issues? Um, and not joint as in pot, but joint, uh, like joints of your body, you know, I'm sorry, I have to be clear these days, uh, elbows, knees, hips, where, where are my friends, you're battling with some kind of joint issues, hold up a hand real high, wherever you're at, one hand high in there, like a telephone pole, if that's you, keep it up, try to straighten your elbow, if that's not the joint that hurts, if you're standing by someone that has an arm straight up in the air, and you're near them, the two or three, four of you around them, you are the prayer team, would you gather around them right now, and would you begin to pray? You've got enough information. If no one is praying for you yet, they just don't see you. So wave that hand until you can feel at least a couple people praying for you. All right? If you're not currently praying for someone else, would you ask the power source, God, the Holy Spirit, who you're supposed to go pray for right now? Would you do that? Come on, help me out right now. Let's just begin to allow the Lord to flow. Spirit of Jesus, just minister and move right now. Minister and move right now minister and move right now by the power the resurrection power of jesus i hear the holy spirit say sleep apnea sleep apnea the lord is ministering to you right now if that's that's an issue you're dealing with turn to your neighbor and say pray for me for that right now there's an anointing and grace for that right now that god is sending his power through the cords right now reach out grab a hold of that ask someone to pray for you they're just the extension cord let it flow, let it flow, Lord. There's, I feel the power of God in my feet. If you have an issue in your feet, turn to your neighbor and say, pray for me or pray for my feet right now. Let God share his love and grace to you right now. Yeah. Spirit of the Lord. Spirit of the Lord. 
sense the spirit nudge me inside uh, someone you've lost your housing and the circumstance is totally impossible you know the means or the ability or the you know shut doors and but I just hear the Holy Spirit saying God is with you he's gonna help you he's gonna help you he doesn't doesn't leave his children shelterless he's gonna help you he's gonna help you he's gonna help you I hear the Holy Spirit also saying to some husbands and wives uh, be reconciled to each other. Be reconciled to each other. You're demonstrating God's power to your children and you're demonstrating I don't want to say this harshly. God give me wisdom. You're demonstrating to your children your lack of belief and trust in God's power to be who he is, the restorer be reconciled to each other and be reconciled to God. Is anyone else in this room getting a prompting from the Holy Spirit? I don't want to be a gift hog. Sense the Holy Spirit nudging. I don't belabor anything, but I, I just sense His moving over this congregation so beautifully. Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord. I feel power moving over the, I don't say low back, I think it's out farther on the right side. I don't know if that's kidneys or what it is, but there's power flowing right here. Where are my friends? That's that's something to you feel. You have a need right here. Where are you at? Give me a wave. Okay, one, anybody else? Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, pray for me right now. That's me, that's me. God's ministering to you right now. Just let him touch you, let him touch you. Let him touch you. Thank you, Lord. Where are my friends? You, you've been, whew. You just really need to experience the love of God. That sounds so simple and so vague, but man, when that seems far away, if that's you, would you just lift your hands up to God? You just, you just need to experience his love right now all over this house. Lord Jesus, even for some that aren't lifting their hands right now, I pray, Lord, from heaven, you would reach down and put your arms around your children right now. And as Paul prayed to his beloved Ephesian church, let us know the measureless dimensions of you the ocean of your love right now. I just hear God whispering over you, I love 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 you. You're valuable to him. Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord, 
God's healing a, a, some kind of jaw condition right now. Yeah, just, and I, I'm only aware of the smallest things the Holy Spirit is doing because my extension cord is ragged. This is just a sampling of His moving among us. Spirit of the Lord. Sir, the Holy Spirit say, check your left knee. Check it. Check it. Pain's gone. Check it. Check it. See what God is doing. Yeah. Spirit of Jesus. Spirit of Jesus. Spirit of the Lord. If you're not praying for or about anything else right now, this would be a last constructed prayer before I invite Pastor back. And you can stay and pray and seek the Lord. That's why these nights are here. But would would you join me in just thinking about what tomorrow holds? So what's your schedule like? You're going to get up. You're going to go to school. You're going to go to work. You're going to go to the store. Would you ask the Lord... Right now, plug into the source and ask the Lord to use you as his extension cord in all of the places you'll be at tomorrow until you come to church tomorrow night. Come on, would you get some money in the bank right now of yieldedness? So when the moment comes, you know you've actually already prayed about it, right? Come on, talk it out loud to the Lord right now. Come on, five decibels louder than your, yeah, come on. Oh, Jesus. What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.